0: This summer, the History Channel released a remake of the 1977 television miniseries, Roots. Based on the book written by Alex Haley, Roots is the story of an American family that began in the year 1750 when white slave traders captured Kunta Kinte in West Africa brought him over to America and sold him into slavery. It is difficult to watch, but a story that needed to be told as it exposed the atrocities of slavery. Through the years, Kunta tries to escape the tyranny of his owner several times until finally on his fourth attempt to escape, they dismember Kunakinte to hobble him so that he might not be able to run away the need to be free is great we'll now turn to a story found only in Luke's gospel the story of a woman who comes to the synagogue with the hope of being unbound If you're reading along in the Bible under the chair in front of you, you can find this passage, Luke 13, beginning with verse 10 on page 848. Listen to God's word for us. Now he was teaching, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts and minds... May it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Jesus teaches in the synagogue, a woman appears who was bent over, unable to stand up straight. After 18 years, she could hardly remember any other way of seeing the world. Jesus notices her, calls her to him, heals her, and she straightens up. Yet in this beautiful moment of restoration, all the leader of the synagogue can see is the offense against the Sabbath. Consider the Sabbath with me for a few moments. The Sabbath is God's good gift for humankind. Sabbath is first revealed in the creation story when God sets for us that work-rest rhythm. Sabbath is sheer grace. To come into Sabbath, you must leave behind the six-days world, the world of work and control and burden with all of its hopes and plans in order to remember that the six days world is not the whole world and that our identity isn't based on what we do. Sabbath keeping is difficult. Who among us is good at Sabbath keeping? Yet for our own sake and for the sake of other fellow creatures, I am drawn back to trying again and again. In Exodus 20, when God met Israel at Mount Sinai to give the Israelites the moral code for their new society, he gave to them a structure and a rhythm of life which included both work and Sabbath. The people of Israel are told to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. This is the only commandment of the 10 that begins with the word remember, as if it refers to something People already know, but are prone to forget. For Yahweh's faithful, observing Sabbath was a delight. Resting and taking a break from work was a joy. For Jews in the time of Jesus, the Sabbath was more than just a matter of obedience to rules. Sabbath observance was a way to honor the holiness of Yahweh. It marked the joyful entrance into sacred time. But Sabbath... Provided a significant challenge to religious leaders who were determined to uphold and honor the Sabbath To the Pharisee the object of the religious life was the preservation of purity So all sorts of rules began to be put around the Sabbath Which in time made keeping the Sabbath burdensome And misrepresented God's will for the Sabbath This reminds me of my childhood living room. I loved my family's living room in Satellite Beach, Florida where I spent my middle and high school years. We lived in a modest three-bedroom, two-bath house. We enjoyed spending a lot of time outside in our backyard pool. We had a delightful screened-in porch, a small, cozy family room, and a very typical kitchen. But by far the greatest room in that house was the living room which you could see immediately as you walked in the front door. It it had high-pitched cathedral ceilings, natural light cascaded into that room from a whole wall of windows. It was beautiful. It was spacious. It was inviting. It was the perfect space for conversation and life. Yet very little life happened in that living room because of all of the Torah-like restrictions that were placed around it to preserve its purity. Rules such as, take off your shoes before you go into the living room because of that beautiful beige carpet. In fact, it's really preferred that you don't even walk into that room at all because if you walk into that shag carpet, there will be a remnant of footprints on the shag carpet. My mom would sometimes actually go and get a rake to remove any signs of footprints or any signs of life. Most definitely do not walk into the living room with any kind of drink that might leave behind a water stain on the good furniture. If you had just spent time outside, smelly, unshowered, salty from the beach, you could not go into the living room. The list went on and on, which resulted in time, in the room rarely ever used. My family, because of burdensome rules, we missed experiencing the gift of the best room in the house. Friends, forgetting the Sabbath, it is like forgetting to unwrap and enjoy the best gift for you under the tree. It's not to be bound by rules, but rather is a day to enter into and to do things which honor God and to depart in some sort of creative way from your work. So you cease doing some things and you feast on others. The leader of the synagogue, he wants to make the issue Jesus makes wants to make the primary issue, the whole issue, Jesus' violation of the Sabbath, but Jesus returns the focus to the needs and the dignity of the woman. Jesus doesn't mind bending human-made rules in the interest of love and life. The problem was that the ruler of the synagogue was all bound up spiritually. We hear the compassionate tone in Jesus' defense for healing on the Sabbath when he uses a principle common among rabbis, challenging his opponents to reason from the lesser to the greater. Because rabbis were deeply concerned about how animals were treated. They were concerned that animals be treated well. On the Sabbath, animals could be Led on a leash or of something of the like of uh, some sort of chain to water water could be put in a trough a man could only a man could not simply hold some sort of bucket for the water so nothing could be carried but an animal could be taken to water if the animal was leashed you could untie unbind the animal and lead them to water if animals could be cared for in these ways on the Sabbath Ought this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be set free from this bondage even on the Sabbath? What better day, Jesus argues, to heal and bring freedom than on the Sabbath if a fellow human being is suffering? For the first time in almost two decades, she can stand up straight again. She has been liberated and is no longer in bondage. The only appropriate response is to praise and worship as the woman did. In fact, all the others in the synagogue that day rejoiced in the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. It was mid-September last year When this story in Luke's gospel took on a new and different and more personal meaning for me. For the past year and a half, I have been meeting monthly with a spiritual director. In case you are not familiar with spiritual direction, spiritual direction is an ancient practice. It stretches all the way back to the 4th and 5th centuries when people would go out into the desert to seek counsel and insight from desert mothers and fathers. It is highly unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God if we treat it casually. With that in mind, some of us here at Covenant created a rule of life for ourselves this past Lent In covenant groups, we discuss together intentions that might benefit our spiritual life. Meeting with a spiritual director is one of my monthly spiritual practices. Serving for me as an anchor point that keeps me from drifting all over. Spiritual direction has been a very good gift for me, and it has a clear agenda. A spiritual director helps the directee to pay attention to the Spirit's movement in his or her life. Last September, it was the third week of September, I arrived quite tired for my monthly appointment. After just a month back into the faster pace of the fall rhythm, the place where we now find ourselves, I was totally spent and already ready for another vacation. In the words of minister and therapist Wayne Mueller, in the relentless busyness of modern life, I had lost the rhythm between work and rest. I had just spent a few moments with my spiritual director when all of a sudden she reached for her Bible. She read this story from Luke's gospel. She sat her Bible down and with great compassion in her face, she looked at me and asked, of me this question. What causes you to live bent over? What causes you to live bent over? We talked about life in drought, in the pace of Jesus, and how we each live bent over in a whole host of different ways, which is Part of the gift of this life together, isn't it, that we are free to be honest with one another about how we are bent and broken? Whether I am bent over and suffering because of bad choices, fear, isolation, sin, stress, not persevering, toward rest despite the many obstacles or just forgetting my limitations. The woman living bent over has become an important image for me. I think about her often and of this Jesus who offers us a freedom we did not even know we needed. She symbolically holds up a mirror and helps me to see my need for repentance and confession and to recover practices that will help me to experience the kind of grace and freedom that God makes possible in Christ. I wonder if she might do the same for you. As we consider the woman bent over, I'd like to introduce you to a friend I will call Doug. Doug is a Christ follower, a steady, faithful guy who is married with two kids. Throughout my friendship with his wife, I became aware this past summer that Doug was in an unexpected downward spiral, much of it attributed to his work as a process engineer. During the economic downturn of 2008, the company Doug worked for made itself smaller in response to the sluggish US economy. Like many other workers, he was willing to make sacrifices to improve the company's bottom line if it meant keeping his job. He sometimes worked shorter weeks with reduced pay or worked one week on, one week off. In time, his boss began to want data every morning at the start of the day. Doug would get up at 5 a.m. and pull data and reply to emails. His four-year-old daughter would eventually find him with Doug's habitual response being, let daddy finish one more email. People overseas wanted answers with fewer employees contributing long-tenured, reliable Doug. Began working in the middle of the night and on every weekend to satisfy clients. Never interested in alcohol before, Doug began to self-medicate with alcohol, finding Chardonnay to be palatable. He turned to drinking to calm his fears. He was dying in his job and needed to get out, but was completely paralyzed trying to care for his family in a depressed economy, in a specialized field, daily trying to hide his anxiety. Doug felt so beat down, aware that he wasn't available for his family and that he wasn't really doing a great job with his work either until one stunning day when in the words of his wife, Doug broke. After hitting bottom, he checked into rehab and began to do the very hard work of recovery. I met with Doug recently, who easily shares his story of how he lived bent over. He remembers having nothing to give to his kids and their special needs, not being present with his wife, and that it was a great time of affliction and suffering. Doug believes that he had to be broken down in order to be built back up and that this was all a compassionate gift from God. Doug shared with me some of the things that he now intentionally does to help himself daily. He begins each day with prayer and meditation, often reading an excerpt from Jesus Calling or some other inspirational Reading, he is intentional to spend time in nature, which helps him to remember and to be in awe of how magical and God-saturated the world is. Doug is healthier than he has ever been. Attends AA meetings regularly and is strengthened by that community, takes nothing for granted and lives more honestly and gratefully no longer bent over. Doug now stands tall and takes in the wide world around him, which includes a broader empathy and engagement with a suffering world. And by the way, he... Thanks God daily for the life giving job he now finds himself in, teaching statistics with another company. All praise and thanksgiving to God. The question remains what causes you to live bent over? Friends, Jesus wants to unbind you, to free you to be all that God wants you to be. He also sets us to the task of freeing others who are bound as we anticipate coming to the table of our Lord. Where ordinary elements will show us once again the extent of God's love for the whole world. By the grace of God, let us surrender all that we have and all that we are. And remember our place, our humble place, at the table in a very large world. How might we place ourselves before God so that God can transform us? Let's think about this and encourage one another in this work as we step into this fall together. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we long to be free. To be free and to be all that you want us to be and enjoying, and to join you in helping another who is burdened and bent over. We thank you and we praise you for a new way of living in this world that is here because of Jesus Christ. How we pray that we will grow and that we will be changed as we encourage one another to follow Jesus. And as we journey together side by side, we sure will be careful to give you all the glory. Lord, we love you, we trust in you, we depend upon you, all praise and honor and glory to you for how you are actively working in our lives and in your world. We pray this together in the name of Jesus, amen.